remain standing. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Genesis, chapter number 27. Genesis chapter number 27. We're going to pick back up tonight with our Shaping the Next Generation series. We've been dealing with this for the last few Sunday nights, and so we're going to pick back up with this thought tonight and uh, see what God has for us. Genesis chapter number 27. Well, it's a long chapter, 46 verses. I'm not going to read all these verses before I preach. I just want to read a few, and uh, then we will just jump right into this, all right? Amen. Genesis chapter 27, verse 1, it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, My son, and he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I'm old. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, and thy bow, and go out into the field. Take me some venison, and bring me savory meat such as I love. Bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spoke to Esau his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat, and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Now go, uh, to go now to the flock and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father such as he loveth, that thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, and that he may bless thee before his death. Well, this isn't going to turn out well, is it? Make no mistake, the marriage between Rebecca and Isaac produced disastrous results in their family. When mom and daddy's not on the same page, the devil will wreak havoc in our homes. The story of Esau and Jacob is a nightmare family dynamic. Not between the brothers, but between the parents. I want to preach for a few minutes tonight on teamwork makes the dream work. Father, we ask you if you'd help us now as we look at a story in the Bible. Maybe we glean some truth, some help. Touch my back, give me strength to preach, and may God's people benefit from this message, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I want to say tonight that there's a key principle that we need to understand before we get into the meat of this message. Parents have to be united in raising godly children or it probably will not work. You and I as parents have to speak with one voice if we're going to raise godly children. If we're going to shape the next generation, we've got to be clear and united in our message or we're going to send mixed signals and there's going to be a lot of confusion. I want to say, by way of introduction, before I get into the main message, I've got four points I want to give you tonight, but before I get into that, I want to just emphasize throughout the scripture the importance of unity. Whenever there's disunity, that is a recipe for disaster. One of the greatest examples of that 
is in Genesis chapter number 11. I wasn't going to turn over there, but I want you to back up to Genesis 11. If you've been in any of my leadership meetings, if you've been through any of our leadership orientation, which we got coming up in just a few weeks, is that mine doing that? Is that my mic, Spence? Give me yours. Um, But if we're going to be effective as leaders, if we're going to be effective as Christians, it's important we understand the importance of unity. And in, in, uh, in Genesis chapter number 11, we find an excellent example of how important unity is. In fact, God tells us how important unity is. Give me a second to get over there. I get, get harnessed up here. In chapter 11 of Genesis, the verse I use often, here's what, here's what God said in verse number six. Behold, the people is one. You see it? They were building the Tower of Babel. Okay, you, you got to follow me. I'm, I'm moving quick. They were building a tower. The Lord said, Behold, the people is one. They have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. That's what God said was the power of unity. You can do whatever you imagine to do, but everybody's got to be speaking the same language. Everybody's got to be on the same page. This morning in Sunday school, I filled in for Brother Bell in the married couples class, and we touched a little bit on the love languages. Several people hadn't read those books, but... It's important for husbands and wives to be speaking the same language. And it's important for children to hear one language coming from mom and daddy. The problem is there's a lot of individual agendas in the home. And the kids are just thrown out because mom and daddy's got this thing going between the two of them. The kids are caught in the middle. When my, when my wife and I Back in, I think it was about year 2000 was when we both got real serious about child training. I said child training. Training children. People train dogs. They train, they train dolphins down at SeaWorld. You can train children. They'll do exactly what you train them to do if, you, if you're serious enough about it. You can train them to sit down. You can train them to quit crying. You can train them to go to sleep. Some of y'all look at me like you don't believe it. You can put a kid. We had five kids. Every one of them, we said, go to bed and go to sleep. They went and got in the bed and went to sleep. It's amazing. You can train them. But the thing that I noticed that changed in our family dynamic in 2000 was when me and Miss Grace got on the same page. We got on the same page. I mean, we had to sit down and talk about it. And we had to go over our agenda for our children. And... God helped us in 2000. We had two in diapers and one just out of diapers, if I, if I remember correctly. And we was on deputation. And we were going from church to church. Our kids spent hours in car seats and in churches and in prophets' chambers. And they were just a lot that they didn't get to do. And we had to train them. And they were happy when they were trained. Children that are trained are happy. Children that are not trained are miserable. Anyway, I didn't mean to say all that. What I want to say was this. You've got to speak with one voice. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 
Verse 7, even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So likewise ye except ye utter by tongue words easily to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. He's talking about the confusion in the Corinthian church about them mistaking speaking in a foreign language for a sign of spirituality. But I'm making a point because Paul was making a point. And the point he was making was, if nobody understands what you're saying, you're wasting your time. And if two parents are not saying the same thing, their kids are not gonna know what they're supposed to do. Mom and dad has to be on the same page. By the way, this, this principle far exceeds just raising godly children in the home. I believe it's important that Christians within the church speak the same language. Amen. In, 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 in John chapter, so I'm gonna get to my message here in a minute. In John, but some of y'all ain't got kids, but this will still help you. John 17, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said in John 17, this is the Lord's prayer, he's praying. He said in verse 21, that all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me and the glory which thou gavest me I've given them, that they may be one even as we are one, I and them and thou and me, that they may be perfect and one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me. He went on and on and on. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is talking to the Father. He's praying that the people of God would be one. In other words, unify to glorify. I'm gonna tell you a church that is powerful and that is a church where the members of that church are all saying the same thing in the community. When the world looks at our church, what are they hearing? We should all be on the same page. I'm not saying we gotta be cookie cutter, dot every I and cross every T. I'm saying we gotta be on the same page. Preacher's up preaching and half the church is going amen and the other half the church is rolling their eyes. The kids aren't gonna know what to believe. You got parents that bring their children to a church and then on the way home from church, they break apart the preacher's message and completely dismantle it and the kids are like, well, why are we even going there if we're not gonna do what the preacher just preached? What's the point? And they're right. What is the point? Why would you go to a church? Why would you take your children to a church if the preacher's gonna preach one thing and you're just gonna do something else at the house? Mixed signals and it's confusing and God is not the author of confusion. And so the devil will do exactly what God did in Genesis 11 at the Tower of Babel. He'll confound the languages so he can stop progress. God deliberately introduced the complexity and the chaos of foreign languages so there was a confusion. They couldn't understand one another. And that's where the people scattered all over the four corners of the world. And you won't know what their common denominator was? Language. They walked around talking till they found people that talked like they talked and understood what they were saying and they all got in little bands and they broke off and went somewhere else. And they started their own life and they started their own families and the common denominator was the language that they spoke. We got parents that are trying to raise, they say they're trying to raise godly children but mom and daddy's not on the same page. The kids are just grown up confused as a woodpecker in a rock quarry. No idea what's going on. So the, the, the teamwork makes the dream work. 
in the church. It makes the dream work in the home. Well, I have a very positive title. Hopefully that will offset the negative points that I've got. Because this story right here in Genesis chapter number 27, this is a bad situation. I mean, it's like, it's like a list of what not to do. I almost called it Fatal Mistakes to Avoid Part 2. Because last week we looked at the wrong things that, that, that happened with, with Samson and, and how that it affected that little boy that was looking up to him. Man, in this story right here, and I know their boys are, their boys are on up. They're on up, okay? They're not little children, but the principle still applies. It's still the next generation. We think about the next generation. We're not talking about the toddlers and necessarily and the babies. They obviously, but we got teenagers. We got single adults in here that are still impressionable, that are still looking to us for leadership and guidance and counsel and, and to be an example. And how we live and act can be very, dis, it, it can, it, they can get disillusioned. It's hard to find, in fact, it's hard to find godly single people. They're so disillusioned. It's hard to find a church that's got a godly singles group. They're so full of carnality and flesh. They're so disillusioned by, the, by get the, 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 the mixed messages that they're getting. I want to notice several aspects of this family, this home dynamic in Genesis 27 that produced years of pain and hurt and suffering and separation that adversely affected the next generation. If they had done some things different in chapter 27, the whole life story of Esau and Isaac uh, or Jacob, rather, would have been completely different. We can't, I, I, I won't be, we won't be able to know what would have happened if they'd have just done some things different. So I want to give you four things in this story that mom and daddy were not on the same page, and it hurt them. It hurt their kids. It hurt their family. As I studied chapter 27, number one, I want you to notice this, their disconnect was apparent. There was an obvious disconnect between mom and dad. And I don't know where it started, and I went back and started reading the chapters before, and obviously uh, we know that um, how God put Isaac and Rebekah together in chapter 24. It was just a supernatural move of God, how God brought them together. And, and uh, in, verse, in chapter 24, verse 58, when Eliezer, the servant, uh, the steward of Abraham went to go and fetch Isaac a bride. He said in verse number 58, will you go? They said, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. She went voluntarily. And Rebecca and Isaac got married in chapter 24. But man, by the time you get to chapter number 27, there's something going on between the two of them. And I've preached from this chapter and I've preached on the marriage from these two people several times, but I saw even more things today as I was studying than I have stuff I've never seen before. Just let me give you an example. In verse number uh, three, the Bible says that he tells his son Esau, I want you to go to the field and, and take me some venison, make me savory meat such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat, my soul may bless thee before I die. And Rebecca heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son. But you get over to verse number nine, 10, you find out Rebecca knew how to make venison, savory meat that her husband loved. And I guess the first thing I noticed is why didn't she just walk in there and say, honey, I'll make, you, I'll make it for you. Why didn't she offer to make what her husband's dying wish was? She chose to make it, but only to serve herself, not to serve him. 
Bear with me now. I'm pretty sure the wife was given to the husband to be a helpmeet. So, I mean, I'd be offended if I'm asking my son to do something for me and my wife hears it and she lets him go do it and do it the hard way when she could have done it the easy way and she didn't do it. And then she turns around and goes and does it, but she's got her own ideas and own agenda. You see what I'm saying? There's something's not right here. I'll go, I'll go one better than that. In, in, in our text, Isaac asked Esau to make a savory meat, such as I love. In verse number nine, Rebecca's going to make savory meat for her husband and says, such as he loveth. Why would Isaac ask Esau to make savory meat when his wife can make it? Why would you ask the student to cook you something when you've got the teacher right there? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this has bothered me. Why? I mean, obviously he probably learned to make it from his mother. Why would he ask him to go make it and not his wife? It could have been, I'm just going out on a limb here, it could have been one of those marriages where the husband and wife's not talking. But well, I've seen that before. Johnny, go tell your daddy supper's ready. You go tell your mama I'm not hungry. She's right there. And they use the kids as messengers because mom and daddy's not talking. And that goes on for days. He looks at his son, he looks at his son, says, go make me some supper, and his wife's standing right there, knows how to cook it. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying disconnect was off. as a parent. Something's off here. This isn't a loving marriage like we see portrayed in the Bible the way it's supposed to be. Rebecca's not being a, a Proverbs 31 wife right here. And as I got to reading this, I noticed there's an obvious power struggle between these two parents. Now, according to the word of God, I know you women liberals are gonna hate me for this. You feminazis are gonna hate this. But according to the word of God, the husband is the head of the house. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ also is the head of the church. But in this story, we notice several times Rebecca says to Jacob at least three times, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. And it's a direct opposite of what daddy said do. She says it to him in verse number eight. Now therefore my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. She's about to tell him to do something that is directly opposite to what daddy's wanting, what daddy's agenda is. She says it again in verse number 13. He says to his mother when she said, she said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill these goats and I'm gonna make the savory meat. And he said to her in verse number 11, behold my brother, uh, 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 I, uh, Esau, my brother's a hairy man and I'm a smooth man. My father peradventure will fill me and I will seem to be him as a deceiver and I'll bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. His, wife, his, mama, his mother said in verse 13, obey my voice and go fetch me them. Do what I'm telling you. Don't listen to your daddy. Don't listen to what he wants. We're not interested in his heart and his leadership and his position of authority in this home. You do what I'm telling you to do. She says it in verse eight. She says it in verse 13. And then again in verse number 43, she's still telling him, obey my voice. There's a power struggle in this family. There's an, there's an insecure woman that for some reason or another 
feels the need to second guess her husband's leadership and direct her children to do something completely opposite from what daddy said. It's getting quiet in here. It shouldn't get quiet. In fact, according to verse number 13, she knew her actions would produce a cursed child. And she was okay with it. He said, you're going to bring a curse upon me in verse 12. She said, upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice. I don't care what happens. I don't care if me and you both get cursed. Just do what I said for you to do. She was willing, she was willing to even be a partaker of his curse. Her agenda was so important to her. She was so selfish and self-centered that she was willing for her son to be cursed and for her to share in his curse just as long as he did what she said for him to do. There's nothing any more destructive in a home than a power struggle between mom and daddy. Amen. Sometimes my kids will come ask me a question. I say, that don't matter to me. Go ask your mama. Because she may have insight on it. She may know things I don't know. And I say, it's fine, it's fine with me. Go ask your mom. And, then she, and they'll go ask her, and then she'll say, what did your daddy say? Daddy said it's okay. Well, then if daddy said it's okay, it's okay. But sometimes they'll say, she'll say, what did daddy say? Daddy said it was okay, but first come ask you. And then she'll come to me, and she'll say, maybe you need to know this. This is what's going on. Maybe, maybe you don't know this and this dynamic, and that changes everything. Point is, we've got to be on the same page. I don't care how small a matter it is. Can I go over and spend the night with Johnny? I say, no. I ain't big on spending the night at people's house. There's more junk. There's more junk goes on at, at sleepovers. There's more junk goes on at sleepovers. Try to do your best to protect your child and keep them all sheltered from the world and you send them over there to that pervert's house to learn the, about the birds and the bees. You better watch out. You don't know what they're going to be exposed to over there. You don't know who that woman's going to bring in. You don't know who that man's going to bring in. You don't know what those people are going to be watching on the TV or playing on the record player or the CD player. There ain't no record players no more. I sound like Joe Biden, don't I? Good night. You don't know what eight-track tape they're going to pop in. You don't know. Point I'm trying to make is this. Mom, dad's got to be on the same page. Kids will pit mom and daddy against one another if they can. Your children ain't near as concerned about your marriage as they should be. They're all concerned about them. They'll get you fighting. They'll get you fighting over something they want to do. Moms and daddies have got to be on the same page. Disconnect was apparent. As I read chapter 27, I just, it didn't feel right to me at all. When she, when she heard, verse 5, when, when Rebecca heard, when Isaac spake to Esau, his son, she should have walked in the room and she said, Isaac, you can go hunting if you want to, but I'm going to take care of your daddy. I'm going to cook some venison for him. Or better yet, you go get the venison, bring it to me, and I'm going to make it for him. I mean, he's dead, he's dying, he's old, he's blind. Why ain't she cooking what he wants? Because he wants it. I know this isn't popular with the liberals, but that's what I'm preaching. There ain't no liberals in here anyway, so I ain't worried about it. Their disconnect was apparent. Number two, write this down, their deceit was appalling. There was a lot of deceit in this family. There was a whole lot of lying. 
a whole lot of secrets, a whole lot of backstabbing going on. I don't know how many times I've read and preached in this chapter, and I saw something this afternoon I'd never seen before. Isaac wanted savory meat made from venison. Is that what your Bible said in verse 3? She says, I'm going to make him some from these goats. And he won't know the difference when I get done with it. Now, some of y'all don't know the difference. Venison's deer meat. All right, deer meat and goat meat is not the same thing. They ate a lot of goat in South Africa, didn't they, Grace? A lot of, lot of goat, a lot of, lot of lamb and mutton and goat. That was a big thing over there. About the only thing you could grow was everything was dead and just, it was, I mean, but you could grow goats and sheep, and that's what they ate. It's hard to get beef, but you could get, there was a difference in deer meat and goat meat. You better believe it. How many hunters you seen put a goat head on the wall? <laughs> yeah, I got that one right there. Shot that right there. Here's what she said. He wants venison. I'm gonna I'm gonna take some baby goats and I'm gonna cook him what he likes, and when I get done with it, he won't know the difference. Right. Sound to me like she'd already been used to deceiving him. Yeah. Yeah. She Stay with me now. She already had it down to a science. She was so confident in her ability to deceive her husband that she said, while he's out hunting, I'm going to take these kid goats and I'm going to cook the venison, the savory meat that he doth love. Which, by the way, that's what Jacob fed him and he didn't notice that it wasn't venison. <laughs> I never, ever noticed that before. Mama was lying in the kitchen she was lying in the living room. She was lying in the bedroom. She was lying all over the house. Sure she was. There's so much deception in this story, it's hard to break it all apart. It's hard to dissect it. She wasn't just lying, but she was teaching her son to lie to, her dad, to, to her, his daddy. She said to him, she said, go out there and get me a couple of kid goats. And he brought them in there. And she said, all right, now give me those skins. Give me those skins. He said, they go, daddy's going to know it's not me because Esau, he's hairy. He's got hairy arms. I got smooth arms. She said, don't you worry about that. I can handle that. I, I, got, a, I got a solution. She took, those, she took those goat skins, wrapped them around his arms, and wrapped them around his neck. I mean, these ain't even had time to tan out and get right. I mean, they're still bloody and wet and yucky. She's so desperate to lie to her husband. She's making a royal mess. Are y'all following the story? I mean, that's just gross. Freshly skinned goat skins wrapped them around his arms and around his neck and said, go on in there. I mean, she's teaching her son how to lie to his daddy. And you gotta love what, what Jacob says in verse number 12. I almost laughed out loud this afternoon in my office. He said, but mama, I shall seem to him as a deceiver. You think? You think? If he catches me, he's gonna think I'm lying. Uh, yeah, he probably will. So you know what she teaches Jacob? Don't get caught. Huh? Boy, it's getting deep in here now. 
She's so intent on lying and fulfilling her agenda, her secret agenda, her hidden agenda that is in direct opposition to her, her husband's agenda. She's teaching her kids how to lie and not get caught. Right. The quickest way for you to lose your kids is allow deceit and lying in the house. Amen. You ought to treat your kids lying like it's murder. I'm serious as a heart attack. Was I supposed to dismiss the little kids? Huh? Huh? Well, I didn't. And they're being so sweet and kind, and I didn't mean to leave them in here, but it's okay. But teach your children to tell the truth. But it's going to be hard, Mom and Daddy, for you to teach your children to tell the truth if you're not telling the truth. Where are we at? The deceit was appalling. I just, all through here, the lying and the deceit, it, it, it makes my heart ache to read this story. Number three, write this down. Talking about mom and daddy not being on the same page, their discernment was absent. There was no discernment. We know from verse number one, it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, he could not see. You get down to verse number 22. Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Look at verse 23. And he discerned him not. It's a sad day in the home when daddy loses discernment. A daddy without discernment is a recipe for disaster in the home. I joke with people and I say this is where the charismatic movement was born, right here. Yes, sir. He said in verse 22, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And the Bible says he felt him in verse 22. He went by what he felt rather than what he heard. Right. He went by his feelings rather than yes, fact. When facts, stay with me now, when facts and feelings don't line up, you better go with facts. He said, it sounds like Jacob, but it feels like Esau. I'm going to go with my feelings. I'd love to have a dollar for every charismatic I've talked to. They said, I know that this ain't in the Bible, but I felt it. I felt it. And I, you, can't, you can't explain it. I felt it. And I said, I don't know what you felt, but I'm not basing my doctrine on your feelings. I'm going to base my doctrine on what the Bible says. And if what the Bible says and what you felt don't match up, I'm going to go with what God said 100% of the time. 100% of the time. I even went so far as to say this in verse number 27. He came near and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Bless his heart. When you lack discernment, something can pass the smell test and still not be right. Well, preacher, I just, I just feel like they're okay doing that. What's the Bible say, sir? You've got no discernment. You're letting your children do things that go contrary to the Bible because you feel that it's going to be okay. 
You, 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 you just you feel like it's going to be all right. You let them go to this event or you let them get to go to that get together or you let that, your son date that girl or you let your daughter date that boy. I feel like he's a good guy, but, he's, but, but you've got no discernment. None. You're just like, you're just like uh, uh, Isaac in verse number one. Your eyes are dim and you can't see. You're a hand in front of your face. One of the most heartbreaking things as a pastor is to watch parents make such awful, horrible decisions with their kids that anybody with any discernment at all would know that is a disaster waiting to happen right there. And many times they come to me, and I found out a long time ago, people don't want advice, they want approval. A lot of people will not even ask me my opinion because they know before they come to my office what I'm going to say, and it ain't what they want to hear, so they just do whatever they want to do anyway. And all you can do is sit back and cringe and brace for the impact because it's going to happen. When daddy loses discernment, problems are fixing to happen. In verse number 23, if he'd have had some discernment right there, he could have stopped this whole fiasco from taking place. A lot more I could say about that. Those, those, those skins on his hands and on his neck He felt, he, he felt them. I'm thinking through these stories. When, I read, when you read your Bible, I, wish you, I hope and pray that you read it and, and, and bog down in it like you're there. Don't just blow through it and breeze through it. Put yourself in this story. You get so much more. You know what daddy did? Daddy just touched it enough to say he did, but he didn't really investigate that. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't want to be crude tonight but I have yet to meet a man whose arms is as hairy as a goat skin. Come on now. I mean, seriously, how dumb have you got to be to feel of a, 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 a skin of an animal and say, oh yeah, that's Esau's arm. Dog, you need to go see a doctor. If the back of your neck feels like a goat skin, you need to go see a dermatologist and when you get done, then go to the barber shop. Come on now. That's just messed up. But you know what he did? He, he, just, he just got just enough involved to make it look like he cared, but he really wasn't drilling down and getting to the bottom of it. I mean, this guy is having a hard time trying to figure out which son is it. He was easily deceived. His discernment wasn't so much in his fingertips and his nose as it was in his head to find out the truth. He's about to issue the birthright to one of his sons and he's not sure which one it is. He's either too lazy or don't care enough to drill down and get to the bottom of it. And I'm gonna tell you something right now. I'm amazed at the parents that their kids can bald face lie to them and they will believe them 100% of the time. I can't believe how many times we have situations in this school and I got teachers and staff members nodding their head. They know what I'm fixing to say where the kids will have a conflict in the classroom, something will transpire, it goes on, we got half a dozen witnesses and we got it on film and mom and dad is gonna believe that child every single time. It never occurs to them that their child could lie to them. And they're good at it. They know you. They know how, how, how persistent you're gonna be or not persistent you're gonna be to get to the bottom of it and they will tell you just what you wanna hear and they will tweak it just enough to make it believable and they got those little sad puppy dog eyes. 
and you'll just think, there ain't no way in the world my son could have done that. And everybody in the school is going, are you serious? We all stood right there and watched them. We stood right there and watched them. We've had to pull up film. We've had to pull up the cameras and show the parents, look. He slapped him. He didn't get slapped. He was the one doing the slapping. Oh, my goodness. And then look at their child horrified. Well, why didn't you tell me? Because they're of a fallen nature. <laughs> they're of their child, they're, they're, they're of their father, the devil, and the works of their father they will do. But a parent that's discerning won't take their kid's word for it. They'll drill down and get to the bottom of it. <laughs> it's like the man asked his daughter, she was about 18 years old, he said, what time did you get in last night? She said, well, I got in at 10.30. He said, that's strange. I'm gonna get onto that newspaper, boy, for putting the newspaper, more newspaper up under the tire of your car. Some of y'all will get that about midnight, you'll get it. Yeah, she came in late after the newspaper was already in the driveway. I'm gonna get onto that newspaper, boy, for putting that morning newspaper up under the back tire of your car. Because I know if you said you came in at 10.30, you must have. Uh, Daddy, wake up. Where are we at? I gotta hurry, my back's hurting. Way some of y'all are squirming, y'all must got the same back problem I've got. <laughs> Number four, write this down. Their division was agonizing. Oh my goodness, I broke my heart as I read chapter 27 this afternoon, forwards and backwards, plowing through there, looking at the division, looking at the, the, the schisms and, and just dysfunctional family unit going on here. Rebecca's loyalty, by the way, should have been to her husband, not her son. I believe last time I checked, the husband and wife are one flesh. What God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. But when a man's married, he's supposed to leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they should be one flesh. Nowhere in there does it say the mama and her son are one flesh. I've seen some dysfunctional families where the mama and her relationship with her kids was unnatural and it was unbiblical. Stand against her husband with her kids. He'd stand with his kids against his wife. The division in this story right here is just agonizing. And if Rebecca had been working with Isaac instead of against him, their family would have turned out much different. There's a lot of backstabbing in this family. Mama betrayed Esau in verse number six. In verse number six, Mama betrayed her husband. She betrayed her husband again in verse number 10 when she's teaching her son to go and lie and deceive his daddy. She betrayed Esau again in verse number 42. I never had noticed this before in verse number 41 and 42. Watch this. Esau hated Jacob because of the blessings wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said, what's the next three words? He said in his heart. I want you to see this. I'm going somewhere. Never noticed this before. Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. And these words of Esau, her elder son, were told to Rebekah. Who do you reckon told Rebecca the innermost thoughts of Esau? 
I can't help but believe he did. He went to his mama. He said, I can't believe Jacob would do that to me. And that made my mind up. When the time of mourning's over, I'm going to kill him. He's confiding in his mama. You know what she did? She went straight and told Jacob what he said. Instead of trying to talk Esau out of doing something that was wrong, instead of going and getting the daddy and saying, we need to sit down with Jacob, uh, Esau, we've got to figure this out because he's got murder in his heart. No. There's just a lot of backstabbing. There's a lot of, there's a lot of division going on in this family from the beginning of this chapter all the way to the end. Guess what? Mom also betrayed Jacob. Can I show you where? Verse number 35, the daddy said, Thy brother came with subtlety and hath taken away thy blessing. And he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob, for he hath supplanted me these two times. Lived up to his name. Mama had a chance to help him get away from his name and live down his name. But because of her deceit, she made it live up to it. This was the one chance that he could have done something honest and right and got away from the supplanter name that he had. But mama enabled him to be known as a deceiver. My wife and I were talking just the other day at the table. We were sitting there with a missionary family. The missionary's wife was asking us questions about parenting or whatever. And my wife, she made an observation that I think is so powerful. So powerful. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 11 says, Even a child is known by his doings. Stay with me now. Children have a testimony. And did you know that parents, parenting defines the testimony of their children? Bad parenting will produce bad kids and that's going to be their reputation. Oh, you better watch that little boy over there. He's a brat. You want to know why he's a brat? Because mama hadn't trained him. His testimony was given to him by his mother and daddy, not training him. Are y'all getting this? That little boy over there, he's so well-behaved and so, so well-mannered, so obedient. Guess what? He's got an, a testimony of being an obedient, well-mannered child. Guess who gave him that testimony? His mom and daddy. My wife says it better than I can say it. Parents give their kids their testimony when they're kids. Mama gave him the testimony again of being a supplanter and a deceiver. She could have changed all that. He could have been known for doing something with integrity and honesty. Instead, she betrayed her son by letting him live up to his name. What is your children known for? What are people saying about your children and my children? Instead of getting defensive, maybe we ought to just do some deep soul searching. The division was agonizing. Everybody was left scarred and affected by the divisions and lack of loyalty in this story. Look at verse 33. Isaac was trembling very exceedingly. Here's an old man, blind, shaken, just absolutely trembling. Esau, in verse 34, cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry. In verse 41, Esau hated Jacob. I saw something else in this story that I had never seen before. Here's what she said in verse number 45. She said this to Jacob. Am I giving too much Bible? 
This Bible's amazing. Just stay with me. Keep your Bible open. She said, until thy brother's anger turn away from thee and he forget that which he hath done to him, then I will send and fetch thee from hence. Watch this. Why should I be deprived also of you both in one day? I don't want you to get killed, Jacob. I don't want to lose both of my sons in one day. You know what that tells me? That in that day she lost Esau. I guarantee you Esau was one found out she was behind this whole shenanigan. He looked at his mom and said, you're dead to me. She lost, she lost Esau that day. And she said to Jacob, I don't want to lose both of you in the same day. She'd already lost one. Parents, I say this, I'm, I'm shaking on my inside right now saying what I'm fixing to say. <clears throat> but if you ever lose your kids, you may never get them back. You better be serious about your parents and make sure you're doing it right. If you ever lose them, you may never get them back. If you do, they may come back like that prodigal son, scarred for life, broke, stinking, been in a hog pen. Let me give you a positive note. The point I'm trying to make is teamwork makes the dream work. There's only one thing in this whole story mom and daddy agreed on. You know what it was? Jacob, we don't want you to marry a stranger. We don't want you to marry. We don't want you to take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Mama said it in verse number 46. In chapter 28, verse 1, Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him, thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. That's the only thing the two of them ever agreed on. And look what happened in chapter 28, verse number 7. And that, Jacob obeyed his father and his mother. What about that? The only thing that I can find in this story, Brother Caleb, that they agreed on, that they said the same thing, set him down, said the same thing to him. The only thing, he did it. But because they lost Esau, look what happens. Verse number eight, and Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father, then went Esau to Ishmael and took unto him the wives. Look at that. He found out what mom and daddy didn't want him to do, and that's what he went and did, out of spite. Whose fault was it that Esau lost all respect for his parents? I believe we could say it was their fault. We don't want to say that, but I believe we've got to say that. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying that teamwork makes the dream work. To raise godly children, mamas and daddies, we've got to be on the same page. If we're going to impact the next generation for God's honor and glory, we've got to be on the same page. We've got to be unified. Mom and dad, it's going to require time sitting down talking and planning. Before your kids are born, find out what kind of children you want to have, what kind of family you want to have, what kind of home you want to have, and you've got to work together toward that. And with God's help, God can do it. God can do it. Father, we thank you this evening. For the word of God, or sober reminders this evening as we look at a family made some terrible mistakes. God, I pray that you'd help us to avoid those mistakes. And Lord, I pray that you'd help mamas and daddies tonight, maybe just to gather on the altar together, hold hands and say, we're going to work together. We're going to work together to be spirit-filled, spirit-led. We're going to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord together. We're not going to fight with one another. We're not going to allow 
our differences and differences of opinion to drive a wedge between us or our children be the ones that suffer. I pray, Lord, tonight for the church members that you would just again remind us of the importance of unity. Lord, that we speak with one voice to the lost and dying world that is around us. When they see Calvary Baptist Church during the week, outside of this church, we're all saying the same thing. We're speaking with one voice. And Lord, that we're unified so that we can glorify you. Give us what we stand in need of. Help us with our children. Lord, give us the grace and the strength that we need. Or make so many mistakes. Father, we make mistakes every single day because we're human beings and we don't know it all. But God, I pray that you'd help us as moms and dads to raise a godly generation. And may our children, though they may not know everything, may they know that mom and dad is on the same page when it comes to living for God and serving God. Give us discernment. Have your will and way, I pray, in this invitation. Lord, there may be somebody sitting here tonight Lord, you're dealing with them about something that I didn't even preach on, but Lord, the Holy Spirit.